Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hi, everyone. Before we start today's episode, a quick reminder to send your questions and comments to unfinished at stitcher.com. We've already got some great voice memos and emails that we'll respond to in a bonus episode. Send yours to unfinished at stitcher.com. And remember, if you want to binge all the episodes of this season right now, subscribe to Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com or the Premium tab in your Stitcher app and sign up with the code WITNESS for a free month of premium listening. That's stitcherpremium.com, promo code WITNESS for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Before we begin, a note about today's episode. We discuss some heavy stuff, like underage marriage and child sexual abuse. Okay, so now we're on Canyon Street. Hear my voice. Dear God. I completely understand why people feel spiritually connected to this place. This is not my work, the work of God. There's a narrative that upholds people's faith. You look back through history, Mormon people were a maligned and driven people. And in my view, it continues today. We come today to the subject of the 1953 raid. Warren Jeffs was able to say, see there, they want to come in and tear your families apart. And remember when they did that in 1953? The raid was made to destroy our families. Remember that? Your only safety is with me. You can't trust anyone else. Short Creek was around for 70 years before Warren Jeffs became prophet. The people there spent 70 years surviving in a harsh desert, 70 years trying to keep a distance from the government, and 70 years working together to build a community committed to faith and to each other. It took Warren Jeffs less than six years to bring that crashing down. Good morning, everyone. Be obedient as though you could be led by a hair. I was so close with my family. I was just completely cut off and isolated. And it had to get to the point where I felt like I could not breathe before I was willing to walk away from them. The hell that I was in was worse than anything I could even conceive. Today, ex-believers share their stories about what's really been going on in Short Creek and pull back the curtain on Warren's insulated world. The government chases down the prophet until justice is served. And what did Mr. Jeff say, if anything? He said, Elisa, your heart is in the wrong place. This is what the prophet has directed to do. But some in Shore Creek still believe their prophet is innocent. He's still my prophet. 
and I love him. Um, most certainly, he's not the first prophet that's been in prison. I'm Ash Sanders. I'm Sarah Ventry, and this is Unfinished Short Creek. Episode 5, Answer Them Nothing. What were those first few weeks like? Everything from things you didn't know about how the outside world worked to things that you were feeling? The first few weeks after leaving were so defining. You know, it was this moment of my shelf collapsing. Um, this, this shelf that I'd put all of these questions on for my entire life, it collapsed. And so there was this psychological collapse and emotional collapse that happened because I still believed that I was going to hell. I made the choice to leave the FLDS. I was going to hell. You know Elisa from episode one. She's the young woman Warren forced into marriage when she was just 14. When Elisa left Shore Creek, she had no idea where she was going. But eventually, she settled in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so it was this weird place of not knowing if there's any reason to live, but also this, this excitement started to flourish and grow. And I realized that I could do whatever I wanted to. This, this concept of infinite possibilities became overwhelming and exciting all at the same time. There was some real issues, you know, learning how to dress, learning how to go to the grocery store, learning how to get a job, learning how to set up a bank account, learning how to talk to normal people. These social things that we know nothing about, makeup and hair and, you know, all the things that a lot of women grow up with every single day. I had to learn at 18 on a crash course with, with no help. But Elisa didn't have much time to settle into her new life. In late 2004, just a few months after she left Short Creek, she got some terrible news. Around Christmas time, my younger sisters, they disappeared. I didn't hear or see or I had no idea what happened to them, and I was very concerned. Elisa knew that the church could have taken her sisters out of the state. They were 12 and 9. And that was just too much for me to really take on. Um... I couldn't even imagine my younger sisters experiencing what I had gone through over those three, four years. Someone had to do something. My involvement started with becoming involved in the prosecution of Warren Jeffs. Like everyone in Short Creek, Elisa had been taught to never trust law enforcement. But her sisters had disappeared. So Elisa decided to talk to authorities. I was sitting across from an investigator in Washington County, and it was the first time I had laid it out for someone in the best way that I could at that time and didn't really know what would come of it. But she looked at me and said, do you know that what happened was wrong? And that was the first time anyone had ever validated any of the pain or any of suffering that had happened during those three years that I was married. How did that feel? It was bittersweet to have that validated because there was a part of me that screamed, yes, it was wrong and it has to be stopped. But there was a part of me that had to take on the weight that I had all happened. You know, for so long I lived in denial and I wanted so much to just leave it in the past. But by making the choice to tell my story, I was, in an essence, accepting that it had happened.
By telling her story, Elisa was deciding to take on her former prophet, the most powerful man in Shore Creek. And her testimony helped. In June 2005, the state of Utah charged Warren Jeffs as an accomplice to rape for forcing Elisa to marry her cousin at age 14. The only problem was Warren was nowhere to be found. A year before Elisa went to law enforcement, one of Warren's nephews had already filed charges against Warren for sexually abusing him as a child. So when the police came looking for the prophet in 2005, Warren Jeffs was already on the lam. From the priesthood record of Warren Steed Jeffs, August 2005, Wyoming. I sought unto the Lord diligently to give me the gift of driving a motorcycle and that we would not be detected by the people around us or the police. I must learn the motorcycles so I can go... This is an actor reading from Warren's priesthood record. While Warren's followers were in Short Creek, strictly forbidden from reading the newspaper or wearing short sleeves, Warren was crisscrossing the country with his favorite wife, Naomi, doing basically whatever he wanted. Naomi was one of Rulin's widows. She was just in her 20s. As law enforcement searched for them, Warren and Naomi traveled from state to state, wearing shorts and T-shirts, sandals, and wigs. Naomi and I, in our Gentile disguise, walked around the financial district where Wall Street and the stock market is. A few of us obeyed the Lord's directive to go to a sun tanning salon where you can get on a light bed that gives certain radiation. We stopped in a certain casino. There was loud rock music, dancing wildly, and I felt the mob spirit would easily erupt among that people. Warren was facing criminal charges from his nephew and from Elisa Wall, but he had no intention of showing up in court. While he was on the lam, Warren called into a meeting of church leaders and revealed that, quote, the Lord is requiring me to answer them nothing. In other words, God was telling him not to communicate with any government authorities, and he expected his followers to do the same. Answer them nothing. Instead, God was commanding Warren to go out and witness the wickedness of the world. This is the capital city of wickedness in this nation, the capital city of adultery and homosexuality, which is the reason the tourists come to this city. This city of wickedness was New Orleans, a city Warren said was full of evil, but that he still managed to visit three times with different wives. On one visit, just weeks after Elisa's sisters were reported missing, Warren went to Mardi Gras. Other times, he made his wives watch porn with him in his hotel room and gave them what he called training, spiritual instructions on how to please him sexually. Warren also spent time at other FLDS communities around the country, including YFZ, or Yearning for Zion Ranch, in Texas. YFZ was where Warren sent some of his inner circle, including some of his favorite wives.
Today, Warren Steve Jeffs was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitive list. In May 2006, the FBI put Warren Jeffs on their most wanted list, in company with mobster Whitey Bulger and Osama bin Laden. A few months later, a state trooper outside Las Vegas noticed a red Escalade with temporary plates covered in mud. When he pulled the car over, he said the guy in the back seat seemed nervous. His carotid artery uh, was pulsating on the right side of his neck. Uh, I'd even one point told him, is everything okay? Uh, uh, You seem nervous. Inside the car, police found wigs and cell phones, laptops, and almost $60,000 in cash. I'd like to announce the rest of FBI top 10 most wanted fugitive, Warren Steed Jeffs. The prophet of the FLDS church was now in police custody. The trial began the morning of September 13th, 2007. This is audio of Warren being flown in on a helicopter from the jail in Hurricane, Utah. The jail is called and I'm not kidding here, purgatory. Three years after telling investigators her story, Elisa was finally facing Warren in court. She was only 21. All rise. Court will now continue in session. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. The record will reflect that we are back in session. What you're hearing is an actual recording of the trial. In court, the state made the case that Warren was responsible for Elisa's underage marriage, a marriage that resulted in her rape. Warren's lawyers said the case was a sham. The state can say it's Warren Steed Jeffs that's on trial, but it's his religion, the religion that he and his predecessors faithfully believe in and have since the time of Joseph Smith, his church, his religious beliefs, his religion is what's on trial here, being dressed up as a crime called rape. The state prosecutors argued that this wasn't about freedom of religion. It was about abuse. It doesn't make any difference whether he's a member of the FLDS religion or any other. This is about a violation of trust by a man with power over a 14-year-old girl. Ladies and gentlemen, people can believe what they want. That is what America is about. But America also recognizes that you cannot hurt children, you cannot hurt young people, in the name of religion, and think that you'll escape the law. State calls Alyssa Wall, Your Honor. All right. Ms. Wall, would you please come forward and have a seat here on the witness stand? How are you feeling, Alyssa? Pretty good. <clears throat> a little nervous. Looks like you're pregnant. Very, very pregnant. And I sat on the witness stand. My name is Elisa Wall. I was big and pregnant, my second child, my daughter. I was just holding on to her, and every movement that she would make inside my belly was this, this, the fuel I needed to keep moving forward because I was terrified. Did you receive instruction from Mr. Jeffs about the roles of the leaders in relationship to the members? They had jurisdiction over everything in our lives. 
and we were to follow them obediently as though we were led by a hare. Based on the teachings, did you um, gain an understanding of the consequences of members disobeying the leaders of the FLDS Church? Yes, I did. That we would forfeit our chance at an afterlife, and we would lose our families. Our families would suffer consequences. Did you eventually talk to Ruland Jeffs? Yes, I did. I walked in, and he had me kneel down next to him. I was very emotional. And he patted me on the hand, and he said, Follow your heart, sweetie. Follow your heart. Did you have further conversation with Warren Jeffs? Yes, I did. I said, the prophet told me to follow my heart, and my heart is telling me not to do this. And what did Mr. Jeff say, if anything? He said, Elisa, your heart is in the wrong place. This is what the prophet has directed to do. How did that make you feel? Confused. The next morning, they had us, they had us load up in some vehicles, and... We traveled to Caliente, Nevada. Um, we arrived and they told us to go up and change. And um, I remember when we were getting dressed, then some of the other girls that were there, I just told them, I just said, you guys, I don't know if I can do this. I just don't know if I can do this. And one of the girls looked right at me and she said, I can't cannot believe you are defying the prophet and God's will in your life. And they called us in, and I almost, I just couldn't, I could hardly stand up. I just couldn't bring myself to walk in that room. I was silent when he asked me to take my vow, and the room was completely quiet. And I just... I couldn't say anything. I could not agree to this. And he, he looks at Warren looks at me and he's repeated himself. Do you take Alan? And finally he had my mother stand up next to me and hold my hand. Honor, may we take a recess? Everyone, let's take about 10 minutes. Members of the jury, remember, do not discuss the case among yourselves. You know, it was the first time I ever had to face him face-to-face since leaving the FLDS. I was the accuser, and I had to stand up in front of the world, in front of everyone I had ever loved, and I had to, I had to speak my truths. And I looked up, and I connected um, our eyes connected, Warren's and mine. And for the first time in my life, I held his gaze and I refused to drop my eyes. And it was this moment of realizing that I was no longer under his control. I would not look down. <laughs> and he finally shook his head and he looked down at the table. And it was this, this rush, this overwhelming feeling of, of, of relief and joy and fear and in all of these emotions, broad range of emotions, but really realizing that I was free.
The trial lasted two weeks, and Elisa wasn't the only person from Short Creek to testify. Faithful FLDS members also took the stand. Are you willing to testify today? Yes, sir. One of these witnesses was Alan Steed, Elisa's cousin and former husband. Why are you willing to testify? Because I believe that every story needs two sides in order to, for the truth to come out. Okay, you're going to have to try to be louder. I don't believe that Orrin Jeffs has ever done anything wrong. Objection, Your Honor, that there's no question pending. Sustained. Members of the jury strike that statement from the evidence. Next question, counsel. Didn't occur to you that marrying a 14-year-old was illegal? Not according to God's law. I'm not asking about God's law. I'm talking about legal according to the laws of the government. Did you recognize the government's laws? I don't know the government's laws that well. Well, do you recognize them? That was my question. Do you recognize them as binding on you, sir? Uh, yes, not. So it didn't really matter to you one way or the other whether the marriage ceremony was legal under the laws of Utah or Arizona? I didn't really put much thought to it. You'll have to bear with me, I'm starting to lose my voice. When I was young, my mother taught me that evil flourishes when good men do nothing. This has not been easy for us. The easy thing would have been to do nothing. But I have followed my heart and I've spoken the truth. There's a saying by Emily Dickinson that says, opinion is a flitting thing, but truth outlasts the sun. Thank you. Elisa eventually learned what happened to her sisters after they left Short Creek. They'd been taken to YFC and married to men in the FLDS church. This felt like the conclusion of a long, difficult story. But it wasn't. A few years after her trial, Elisa found out Warren Jeff's conviction had been overturned on a technicality. Prosecutors had the option to retry, but decided not to because in the time since Elisa's trial, there had been another government raid on the FLDS, this time in Texas. A developing story in Texas tonight where a raid is underway at the secret polygamous compound run by the FLDS church, whose leader, Warren Jeffs, is now in The prison. girls were being removed from a sprawling, secretive, fundamentalist church of Latter-day Saints compound called the YFZ Ranch. Throughout Remember, yearning for Zion, or YFZ, 
was the ranch in El Dorado, Texas, that Warren reserved for his elite followers. The same place that the FLDS in Short Creek had been sending money and supplies to. The same place where Elisa's sisters were sent. There are 53 girls between 14 and 17 in state custody, and Child Protective Services says 31 of them, more than half, either have children or are pregnant. When police raided YFZ, they found several underage girls who were married to older FLDS men. One of them was Warren Jeff's wife. She was just 15, with a toddler of her own. This is the world's first look inside the FLDS temple in El Dorado, Texas. At the top of the temple, law enforcement found a bed. A bed investigators say may have been used to consummate marriages between adult men and underage girls. It will be made of wood that is very strong and will not rattle when it is shaken. They also found Warren's priesthood record, which contained detailed instructions about the bed. It will be covered with a sheet, but it will have a plastic cover to protect the mattress from what will happen on it. Investigators believe that Warren Jeffs used the bed to perform sexual ceremonies with young girls, all while other church members looked on. Police found tape recordings of these sessions made with girls as young as 12. One of the recordings Warren made of his sessions was played at the trial in Texas. Because it was so graphic, jurors listened to it on headphones. We are not going to play the most abusive parts, but we are going to play a section where Warren is telling the women that they are responsible for giving him, quote, comfort and for having group sex with him, something he refers to as the law of Sarah. Now I reveal to you the Lord has required of me in this family. But the fullness of the law of Sarah is for quorums of wives to be with me, to assist me, to be a comfort. While the recording was playing, Warren stood up and started yelling that a holy trust was being broken. But no amount of yelling could distract the jury from what they'd heard. Talking to these ladies... And unto all my names, know that I, the Lord thy God, am pleased with you, my daughters, this time, that I am near, and behold all your doings. And as you have been obedient unto me, and through my servant thy husband, my smile shall continue to shine upon you. Even so, amen. Amen. Warren Jeffs was convicted of two counts of sexual abuse of a minor. And on August 9th, 2011, the judge sentenced him to life in prison plus 20 years. The evidence was undeniable. It was all there on tape. Warren Jeffs was a criminal, a rapist, and a fraud— but there were some whose faith could not be shaken. I'm just saying, the Warren that you feel like that you know is definitely not the one I know. That's after the break.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I want to make sure that, let's see, Norma Richter, this is Sarah Ventry. I want to make sure I have your permission to record uh, and that it's okay to broadcast it in a podcast from Stitcher and Critical Frequency. Yes, it's okay as long as it's all positive. <laughs> I cannot promise that. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> I, can't, I can promise my absolute goal is to be as respectful as possible, but um, I cannot promise it will be positive. You still good? We're okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's just start uh, by having you introduce yourself. I'm talking with Norma Richter in a little shop called Short Creek Cottage. FLDS women sell homemade goods here, everything from aprons and pillows to flavored fudge. Norma is one of a few thousand FLDS, and she still believes that Warren Jeffs is the prophet. I have lived here all my life, born and raised here, and I've loved it. There were a few years, like when I was going to college, that I lived away from here for about three years. But I'd come home every few weeks. And and you said you went to University of Utah? Yeah, I went to the University of Utah. And what'd you study? Speech and hearing. Oh, wow. I'm a speech therapist. I will always be a speech therapist. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't get paid much because I do it mainly just for our people. Norma is pretty observant. She doesn't wear red. She doesn't watch TV or use the internet much. And she and her husband were matched by Rulin Jeffs when he was the prophet. Her husband was actually her high school math teacher. And I took science from him, and I absolutely loved it. He made it just come alive. Um, He's just a good teacher through and through. They were placed together when Norma was 21. Norma wanted to be a part of her husband's family. But she says it wasn't exactly love at first sight. Oh, I need to be careful. I love him. <laughs> well, I, I obviously, do. you've been married for a long <laughs> yeah. time. I'm sure you've, you know. But he's a nerd. <laughs> no, no he's, he is a. He was kind of geeky, you know, and and yet he was. I mean, he had a family. His oldest is my age, but he 
Yeah, I just put my whole life into the hands of our prophet, and I felt wonderful about it. I loved it. I wanted it, and I am still. And that's what I want for my children. Of course, I had such a success. Why wouldn't I want them? It's like I didn't fall in love. I grew in love. And so that love lasted, and it, it lasted. So. And how many sister wives do you have? I have four. Okay. And you have 11 children of your own, biological children. Right. And then how many children are there in your, if you count your sister wives' children also? One mother had 14. The other one had 19. Uh, another one had 11. One had two. 57 then. Okay. So a, a big family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's some that have left. And do you talk to, to those kids who have left? Um, yeah, we do. We talk to them some, not a lot. Do you ever just say, like, oh, hey, let's get lunch? Or, like, you know, you know what I mean? Just um, not even trying no. to. Okay. No. And is that because of the idea that you're meant to leave apostates alone right. severely? Okay. Right. Norma still considers Warren the true prophet. At one time, almost everyone in town felt the same way. But not anymore. You were saying that uh, one of the things that's really hard is that you feel like you can't in some ways say to people, this is my prophet and I love the prophet and this is what I believe. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so hard? Maybe a little. Um, the main thing is, wow, <laughs> he's been villainized. The, the Warren that the world knows is not even the Warren I know. And so with him, so much of the stuff is just outright false, and it's painful. And and so that's kind of one of the reasons we don't like to look at the news. We don't like to follow the media because it's so packed full of lies. And it's like they're trying to convince me that my religion isn't good and my leaders are bad. And I don't want to hear that. I know what they are. I've lived it. The person that's trying to convince me that hasn't lived it. Uncle Warren wasn't abusive, um, even in the court uh, stuff. They never even had the young ladies that they said that he was abusive to come talk. They wouldn't let him. Norma's referring to the Texas trial. The two underage girls Warren raped never took the stand. The state prosecutor says he wanted them to testify, but the FLDS church prevented law enforcement from serving them subpoenas. Two other adult witnesses did testify in the trial. Warren had sexually assaulted them at Alta Academy back in the 80s, when they were only five and seven years old. But do you understand that if those things are true, that that it would be extremely traumatic for Somebody if to come they talk. were true, if they were true, they would have a way of finding out. But so I guess from for for me, what I'm trying to say is that there were a number of people who came forward, and also that there, I mean, there is a tape of that sex w- happening. <laughs> I, I, I just I laugh at that because when I I only heard a teeny bit because it started playing somewhere, and I'm like, oh, okay, turn it off. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> there are literally hundreds of hours of his voice because he taught school. He did all the, he did history. He did, you know, our devotionals. He did all this, hundreds, thousands of hours. And 
if you had the right program, which many do, and I could do it myself, to go in and splice and cut and put whatever I want in there. So you think there were recordings of his voice that were taken that were manipulated to make the recording? Absolutely. Okay. That's my explanation. Okay, that's just my point of view. No, no, no. I understand. I mean, you got to realize we're quite tech-savvy in many ways. People thought we were kind of ignorant in that. Um, No. Sure. We just don't delve into the world and and its tech. We try to stay off the Internet as much as possible. I mean, you do have to live with it, but no. (laughs) We know how to run electronics. It's, it seems so transparent to me, but that's because I am looking at it from my point of view, and I'm thinking, how could you have a people that are so wholesome, so loving, so caring, so protective of their family, and not have a leader that's the same? And like I said, the world has been fed. <laughs> They've been fed the poisoned apple over and over and over in increments until that they believe that is what he is. So I'm just saying the Warren that you feel like that you know is definitely not the one I know. So one of the other uh, things that people talk about happening in this community that's problematic is underage marriages. I just want to give you an opportunity to to address that. I mean, do in your opinion, do they happen? Uh, is it a problem? <laughs> like, what do you consider to be an appropriate marriage age? Wow. Well, let's see. My mother was married when she was 15, and that was appropriate for her. I was married when I was almost 21. That was appropriate for me. Um, you know what? That is just such a loaded question. And everybody wants to. I tried to ask you really openly in a way that. Because, you know, I feel like, you know, people are, well, if they hear this, they think, oh my goodness, she said underage marriage is okay, when that's not what I said. And if a a girl is acting like a, a very young, immature girl, why would you want them to get married? Why would you want them to be responsible and raise children? I know that there were some marriages that were quite young, but those ones, they um, were done, but they were never consummated until they were much there, older. There were none that were done very young that were consummated? I don't know that. That's an individual choice of the people that are married. Yeah, I think 18 is just an arbitrary, and it, it's... The government can do what they want. They can infringe all they want. They can change their laws so that our way of life is a horrible felony or whatever. They can do all that, but and we want to live by the laws of the land as much as we can. But when they change them to hurt us, we have to choose between the laws of God or the laws of the land. Norma chooses to follow the laws of God as she sees them, even now with her prophet in prison. And she isn't alone. There are other believers who remain faithful to Warren, people like the mayor of Colorado City. My name is Joseph Allred, and I'm the mayor of the town of Colorado City. I've been the mayor since 2012. We've heard from Joseph before. Like Norma, he grew up FLDS in Short Creek. Warren Jeffs has had a lot of lies told about him. I have known him very, very well. I have never known him to tell a dirty joke. I have never known him to speak lightly about sacred things. He is by far 
the best person uh, that I've ever met. Can you tell me like what makes him so wonderful? Like what, what makes him such an incredible human being? Well, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, he is in contact in his mind with his God. He is the personification of godliness. And some people don't like that. So, I mean, we, we know that Warren Jeffs is in prison for, uh, for raping children. So I'm just wondering, like, I just want to clarify that you believe that that, that did not happen. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I'm not going to discuss that. I don't believe he's a guilty man. So it, it must be hard to have your prophet in prison. Um, most certainly. He's not the first prophet that's been in prison. Joseph firmly believes that Warren Jeffs is the true prophet and was wrongfully accused, just like Joseph Smith. He also believes that even though Warren Jeffs is in prison, there will come a day when he'll see him again. And Joseph wants to be ready. And I just want to be in a condition that I can face him and see his smile upon me. Because I know, I know he's going to ask me, so how you been doing? And the approval of our, our religious leaders is, to a great degree, the same as the approval of our God. Do you feel that you're okay waiting as long as you need to for that to happen? I feel like that I am, yes. And you just seem like so secure and, and rooted, even though there's a lot of uncertainty in your life. And I'm, I'm just trying to like understand how you, how you feel that way. I, I don't expect you to understand. You don't have to understand. That's fair. So listening back to this, it's uncomfortable to hear some parts of my interviews with Joseph and Norma. I feel like I didn't push back enough when it came to talking about Warren Jeffs and his abuses. Of course, I believe Warren Jeffs is guilty and that he should be held accountable. But Short Creek is a community that was founded on faith and is rooted in deep, sometimes unquestioning belief in the prophet. So to really understand Short Creek, I wanted to understand why Joseph and Norma believe what they do, which meant getting to know them, not just as FLDS believers, but as people. And that took some time. Joseph and I had three off-the-record conversations that each lasted two or three hours before he agreed to let me hit record. And in the course of getting to know Joseph and Norma, we actually got along. Joseph and I talked about faith, family, culture, and Bruce Springsteen. He made dad jokes. I got to know some of Norma's family, and I really enjoyed talking with her about her work as a speech therapist and her kids' latest accomplishments. So it became really hard for me to square the people who I spent so much time talking to with their continued loyalty to someone guilty of such horrific abuse. Can I ask you what a fair story would look like to you? Well, I, I don't know, because I don't think I've seen one yet. <laughs> it's, a, it's a high bar. 
Joseph and Norma are committed to their prophet no matter what, despite the evidence, despite the allegations, despite what he commands of them. They continue to obey. For them, faith means absolute loyalty. But for other FLDS faithful, the trial of Warren Jeffs did something else. It planted a seed of doubt in their minds. And as life in Short Creek became more difficult and the demands on the faithful intensified, that seed started to grow. And it was like a board whacked me upside the head. It was like the light turned on for me. My first reaction was, how far back does the lie go? That's next time on Unfinished Short Creek. Unfinished Short Creek is a co-production of Witness Docs and Critical Frequency. Our team includes Amy Westervelt, John Delore, Abigail Keel, Sarah Ventry, Peter Clowney, and me, Ash Sanders. Chris Bannon is Stitcher's Chief Content Officer. Our fact checker is Naomi Lachance. Our production assistant in Short Creek is Araya Hammond. Excerpts from Warren Jeff's Priesthood record were read for us by David Giambuso. Our original score was composed and performed by Allison Layton Brown, with Ollie Samland on pedal steel and Dan Bradigan on trumpet. Thanks to NPR member station KJZZ. This episode includes tape from interviews I did while working there in 2016 and 2017. This episode also includes audio from the trial of Warren Jeffs, which came to us from Howard Burkus, who covered Short Creek for many years for NPR. Thanks for keeping such a meticulous archive, Howard. And of course, we are so grateful to all the people of Short Creek who shared their stories with us. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. We know that today's episode dealt with some difficult topics. If you or someone you know has experienced assault or sexual or domestic violence, please reach out. You can contact Rain at rainn.org or at 800-656-HOPE. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.